0: All right, why don't we pray, and then uh, we'll get into God's Word here. Dear Lord, we come before you, uh, people who are in need of your Word. Lord, we can't do anything, we can't even think right without your Word, without your revelation. So Lord, please speak to us today through your Word, and help us to understand better how you would have us to think about forgiveness, and how you would have us to forgive each other and overlook offenses. So we ask for your help, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so have you ever struggled to tell the difference between times where you maybe should overlook an offense and when you need to address a sin that has been committed against you? No doubt all of us have at some point in our lives needed to overlook an offense or needed someone else hoping that someone else might overlook an offense we've done against them. And there's been times, I'm sure, in each one of our lives where we've needed to address the sin of others that we have done or that they have done to us. And so um, that's the subject we're gonna be delving into today. And today's sermon is going to be very topical in nature. Next week we'll get back into James with our expository uh, series through James. But today we're gonna be kind of all over the Bible. So every time I come up here, I'm not going through a whole book of the Bible. So I'm like always all over the place, but hopefully you can track with me. Uh, So let's read our two passages for today, actually two main passages. And uh, you'll see there's an a, a apparent tension between these two verses. So the first one is Proverbs 19.11, it's very short. Proverbs 19.11, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. All right, our second passage is from Luke 17, verse 34. This is Jesus speaking. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So, Proverbs 19.11 tells us to overlook an offense. And Luke 17.3 tells us to rebuke a brother when he sins against you and forgive only when repentance occurs. So, at first glance, one, one passage can make it seem like forgiveness is unconditional with regard to whether the offender repents or not. The other passage indicates that forgiveness is conditional on the offender repenting. So how do we reconcile this? There's no, actually no need to reconcile it, but these tensions can seem like there's a conflict. But I think when we use a, a biblical hermeneutic and when we have a full understanding of the overall thrust of scripture on this topic and how God forgives, conditional forgiveness, and the overlooking of offenses, are actually not at odds with each other, okay? So, one thing to get out of the way, right at the start, is there's sort of a, a common Christianese way, false way of looking at these issues. Uh, this is sort of uh, a lazy sort of drive-by analysis where someone will just throw out this phrase, all sins are the same, right? You ever heard that before? It's, it's, it's usually thrown into a situation without much care, and um, it's it's usually used in order to make you think that every sin must always be overlooked because, well, if we're supposed to overlook offenses and no matter all sins the same, we should just overlook them all. So we need to remember that sins are all the same in the sense that any sin puts you in the category of a lawbreaker, right? So. As Jason preached recently, if you throw the rock on the glass and the whole thing shatters, that's that's sort of like what the law is. The law is a set whole. And uh, if even it's broken at one point, you're guilty of breaking all of it. James is, makes this very clear, as we just read recently, for whoever keeps the whole law that fails in one point has become accountable for all of it, right? So you're either in the category of perfect or lawbreaker. And if you've only sinned one time in your life, guess which category you're in? Not the perfect category. You need a savior. You need atonement, right? Okay, so that's important to keep in mind. All sin is the same in that sense, what puts you in the category of lawbreaker or not. But we also can't fall into the other ditch when we think about sins and the degrees of sins. Uh, In Roman Catholic circles, you have categories of what's called venial sins, mortal sins, and basically there's this is expansive list of different categories for sin, where some sins there can be no forgiveness. Um, we see this in, in abortion ministry a lot of the time. They don't like to use the term murder for the mother, murderer, because then the mother cannot be redeemed and she's going to hell in that system. So the point is the Bible clearly acknowledges over and over degrees of sin. Um, I'll just give you a few of many, many examples. Genesis eighteen twenty. Then the Lord said, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, is great and their sin is very grave. All right, Exodus 32:21. And Moses said to Aaron, "What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them?" Leviticus 18:22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman; it is an abomination. Second uh, Samuel 24:10. But David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people. David was doing the census improperly, and David said to the Lord, "I have sinned greatly in what I have done." And then John 19, 11, Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. So we're talking about gr- very grave, such a great sin, abomination, sin greatly, the greater sin. There are many more such examples. Serious sin where there is uh, significant injury, ramification, or maybe significant damage to the unity in the body uh, and the need for restitution are different sins than other sins and in proverbs 19 the thrust of this this uh exhortation is to overlook an offense it's because the people of god are not served by continually being petty towards each other uh, where every minor infraction or perceived slight causes major dissension and the church just can't function because everyone's being petty and so in that sense yeah we should overlook offenses as it says in proverbs 19. And some offenses are indeed minor. Uh, In the Proverbs, the one who overlooks an offense, this is important to remember, does so to his own glory, it says, meaning to his own benefit. So, if you think you're overlooking an offense, but instead you're sort of secretly holding it tightly, like you've got like a vice grip thing over this bitterness that you have, and it's festering, and you're getting more and more bitter, then you're not actually overlooking an offense, because that's not what overlooking an offense means. Overlooking the offense means you actually overlook it and then just move on with like a full heart. And a great time to overlook an offense is when there is the possibility that somebody may have done or said something wrong, but it's not really clear, right? Um, So maybe someone says something that could possibly be construed as insulting or insensitive, but also maybe not. Um, We shouldn't be assuming the worst of everything. Uh, or to be dwelling on every perceived slight to where we end up hating the person without ever having attempted to address the issue with the person. Now, it may also be possible that this person is routinely really acting insensitive and unkind, and for both your sake and for theirs and for the greater unity, uh, it does make sense to address that with them. And that's not at odds with overlooking an offense. But we don't need to get up in arms with every perceived slight that we, we have. Uh, we talk about this with our kids all the time. I'm sure all of you do. Uh, one time I remember Callum was upset because his sister kept looking at him in the car, right? And he did not want to be looked at with this particular sister. And, you know, overlooking offense, Callum. You know, you got to, not a big deal, right? And if you're going to get upset over that, it's not, it's going to be a tough life for you. <laughs> so, um, overlooking offenses for your benefit, for your glory. It doesn't mean that the other person wasn't being annoying or insensitive. Maybe they are being, um, and there, there are certainly people who, who do need to be more sensitive and thoughtful at times. Um, last Friday night, I, we were watching the aforementioned Lion King, and I got overly annoyed at Shelby because she kept turning the volume down. And I had to apologize because in the way that I asked her, I had a, an inappropriate tone. And, um, and now she could have remembered that tone for the next two months, you know? Every time she thought of me and called it to mind, right? Well, Shelby's gracious, thankfully, and uh, it would do her no good to continually dwell over it, right? And so sometimes you gotta move on. But not overlooking offenses doesn't just affect you that we mentioned earlier. Eventually, if enough people in the church are all harboring grudges against each other, um, it, it can cause you to be a lack of love in the church, and then unity is kind of out the window. By the same token, if and when serious sin does occur within a church, It does not help the church unity to cover it up or to pretend like it didn't happen or to not pursue restitution because that only creates a false peace. And truly where there's a false peace, there is no peace. Some churches even have everybody acting nice towards each other, uh, but there is no peace. It's a false peace of niceties. And either because the victims have been run out of the church or they've been silenced, or maybe they're just sort of grinning and bearing it. Right? And there's just underlying tension and disunity under the guise of unity. Uh, Of course, when we think about this whole topic, we don't want to be the kind of people who tell other people to overlook offenses when it happens to them, but then be demanding when something similar, a similar level of sin happens to us, and require immediate, full confession, restitution, hard attitude right away. You know, we don't want to be having a different standard of what we expect from others versus what we give advice to for others as well. So it can be it can be tempting to throw around the overlook offense, Proverbs 19:11 at people sort of cavalierly when it's not us. And, and similarly, if it is us, we can go straight to the, no, I'm not overlooking that. Um, so we just need to be consistent in that. If you hear about someone else getting upset over how they've been sinned against, and your first reaction is always, well, they should just overlook it, uh, it's gotta be consistent. But the point is forgiveness is not actually the same thing as overlooking an offense. Uh, overlooking has the connotation of passing over in the original, original language, just sort of flying right by something. Up, uh, all right, I'm overlooking that. Forgiveness is a very specific thing. In the Greek, the word "ephemai" it, it conveys the idea of more of a decisional, conscious disregarding, a putting off, a hurling away from oneself, or total detachment and separation setting something aside, choosing to set something aside. And when we talk about forgiveness, the key is that we are told over and over to forgive as God forgives. There are many such examples, so I'll run through a few of them. Matthew 6, 12, where it talks about, uh, this is from the sinner's prayer, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So the relation to how God forgives to how we forgive. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted." Forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. We're to forgive as God forgave us. Colossians 3.13 Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. We're to forgive as God forgives. So the question is, how does God forgive? Does God forgive? This is an interesting question. Does God forgive conditionally or unconditionally? And... Think hard before you answer in your head Um, because we can't understand how to forgive others if we don't understand how God forgives. Does God forgive everyone? Clearly not, right? We're not universalists. Not everyone is going to be forgiven of their sin. Uh, Pardon for sin is based on one thing, and that is atonement. It is conditional. That atonement was a unilateral, act of Christ and had nothing to do with what we did or anything that we merited for ourselves, but was according to the purchase of the elect. So God's forgiveness of our sin is completely undeserved by us, but it is not unconditional. The Lord's forgiveness is offered only to those for whom Christ has atoned for. We see this modeled in the Old Testament with the atonement system. And those that Christ has atoned for, he also causes to repent in faith. And that's all done through the regenerating, regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in us. And there are many such examples of the conditional forgiveness of God on display. Second Chronicles 7:14: If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Leviticus 26, 40 through 42. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers and the treachery that they committed against me, and also in walking contrary to me, so that I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham and I will remember the land. Luke 13, 3. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And 1 John 1, 8 through 10, we all know this one. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So there's also something very important that you need to remember here. Don't make the the mistake of thinking, oh boy, if God's forgiveness is conditional on my confession and I forget to confess something, right? and then God won't forgive me, and I'm not going to heaven, right? You are not justified by anything that you do, including your confession. (laughs) Uh, You are made right with Christ entirely by the work of Christ on your behalf. So, the function of 1 John 1-9 is offered not as a new covenant of works that you have to confess right, and if you don't, you're going to hell. No, it's offered within the covenant of grace, as an encouragement that there is mercy for sinners who repent. In the original Greek and Hebrew, these if statements, if you confess, then I'll do this, uh, can also and probably be, probably should be translated in, in English as when. So, God forgives when you confess. Be encouraged, right? The whole, the whole progression of that passage is talking about the fear of uh, the old fear that you have of trying to work out your own salvation and then realizing, oh, Christ is our intermediary so be encouraged we have an intermediator uh on our we have a mediator on our behalf who who intervenes on our behalf intercedes on our behalf so be encouraged when we confess our sin before the lord he is faithful to forgive us it's supposed to be an encouragement not something that drives you to do a checklist of is there a time i haven't forgiven someone perfectly sometime in my life or something i haven't confessed right our faith is not in our ability to do things perfectly it's in christ's uh work on our behalf okay so that's an important Thing to note now by the same token it is possible that an obstinate refusal to forgive your brother or sister when they sin against you could be the fruit of an unregenerate unrepentant heart so don't so do take that warning <laughs> i know i need to so there is that warning there but in terms of the conditionality of our ability to forgive our brothers that can only happen when repentance occurs as we read the words of Christ in our key text today from Luke 17 3 and on to verse 4. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And there's a massive difference between undeserved forgiveness and unconditional forgiveness. Okay? It's not easy to forgive people when they wrong you, even if they seem genuinely penitent. A lot of times, they've really hurt you, right? And even if they seem genuine, it's still hard to forgive. You open yourself up when you forgive somebody who's doing something, you open yourself up to being hurt again, or at least that possibility. And that's where, in those situations where they are truly, they are truly repenting, they are truly confessing, that's where we need to repent from a pure heart and remember the debt that we've been forgiven, right? Because the debt that we owe to Jesus pales or is much greater in comparison than any of the debts that we've incurred with fellow sinners, no matter what the sin is, because God is perfectly holy. So to illustrate this, Christ gives us the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew chapter 18, and it reads as follows. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii, something very small. a 100 denarii. and in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart." Okay, so what does this parable say that the unmerciful servant lacked? The unmerciful servant lacked gratitude. Gratitude to the king who had forgiven him far more. Now of course forgiveness does not mean trust, right? Especially not immediate trust. You don't put the embezzling treasurer back in his position simply because he confessed, right? Doesn't go back in charge of the finances. He's lost trust. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the consequences of sin go away. The penitent murderer are still to be executed by the civil magistrate. Penitent crooks need to give restitution and they probably won't be trusted for a very long time. Uh, Abusers don't get access to the abused simply because they confessed, right? There are consequences of sin even for the truly penitent. But even in the case of the unmerciful servant parable, we're not being asked to forgive unconditionally. Even in that case, in that parable we just read, the ungrateful servant should have forgiven the other servant. Why? Because the other servant admitted his death and promised to repay. Now, he shouldn't have gone after him choking him and saying, give me what you owe me, right? But had he say, had he confronted the servant and the servant said, yes, you're right. I need to pay you back and I will. Please give me time. Then that is a measure of penitence, a sincere, genuine uh, attempt to make things right. There was a genuine confession. The condition of the extension of forgiveness was met. And so the unmerciful servant out of the storehouse of of the mercy he received from the king should have forgiven the servant. And that's how we forgive. Because some things that have been done to us are so grave and so terrible that we cannot forgive out of the storehouse of whatever is in us. We have to get that from somewhere else. We have to get that from Christ, who forgave us of all of our sin, and who was perfect, and who, on the cross, bore our sin in his body. And when he didn't have to do that. Okay. So, um, Those who advocate for an unconditional uh, forgiveness are really saying something about sin. They regard sin, even serious sin, as cheap, something to be swept under the rug and not dealt with. God, nowhere in Scripture, ever, forgives at the expense of justice. And unconditional forgiveness is an affront to justice. What we need is undeserved forgiveness based on the grace of God which has been extended to us by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, where both justice and mercy meet. God's justice was poured out on Christ in the merciful act of sending his Son to atone for sin. That is where justice and mercy meet and God never extends forgiveness without justice or at the expense of justice. In the body of Christ, we need to strive for unity and that means being ready to forgive and eager to overlook an offense. So, must you forgive when someone does not confess or does not repent? No, but you should be cultivating in yourself a readiness to forgive, an eagerness to forgive out of the storehouse of what you've been forgiven of, so that when the opportunity does present itself and pray that those who have wronged you would would repent, Um, and so that you'll be ready to forgive at that time. Uh, There may be even times in our lives where you and another believer are in a sort of a permanent disagreement over whether someone wronged each other and you know this is where wisdom comes in because it's not always hard to tell when these situations are but um, that's something that we need to be trusting to God realizing that we ourselves may have unconfessed sin at some point in our lives or not forgiven perfectly of others and we'll need God's graciousness to us on the last day because none of us have forgiven perfectly I don't think we can say. Remember As we talked about earlier, Christ dealt with all the sin we would ever commit on the cross. That's why when people ask me, when were you saved? I say 2,000 years ago, right? Because uh, we confess our sins uh, before God because as Christians, we've already been forgiven. But pray that God would bring to mind sin that you may have committed in the past and that you maybe aren't aware of or cognizant of so that you can confess it and make things right and so that unity would come about. Uh, Many of us in here have had someone sin against us in very serious ways. I'm not talking about trivialities here. Um, Don't let anyone tell you that you need to forgive when they haven't confessed. That makes a cheapness of sin. Uh, When they haven't shown any genuine remorse or desire to make anything right. Uh, Some of you are, I know, are waiting and hoping that someone will reach out to you and admit their sin. uh, And that will, they'll make things right. So when we're waiting and praying for someone to realize their sin, to confess it, and to make restitution for their sin, we're not being exacting, we're not being demanding, we're not lacking in love. Don't let anyone tell you that. We are seeking to forgive as God forgives. So be ready to forgive. Uh, Cultivate that in yourself, always bringing to mind the gospel, what you've been saved of. Think about the debt of sin that you've been forgiven of, and that will help you as you wait for others to repent. Maybe they'll, they'll never repent, and you'll have to trust God with that. So let's pray and ask God for help. Dear Lord, uh, we are on our own strong, unwilling, or unable to be able to forgive as you forgive. So we ask for your spirit. Give us wisdom to understand when we need to overlook an offense and when it makes sense to, to address it. Give us humility when we're approached that we might seriously consider the wrong we may have done. Uh, help us to strive for unity. We pray for injustices that are going on in the church at large, that uh, sin would not be covered under the expense of, at the expense of justice or with the hope of a false peace and we pray that your church would be a light to the world in how forgiveness, justice, and overlooking offenses is to be conducted. Lord, we ask for your help, and we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die and pay our debt when you, when you did not have to do that. And help us to, to forgive others and be ready to forgive others uh, out of appreciation and gratitude for what you've done.